0: Our scripture reading this morning second is 2 Peter 2, verses 6 through 8. 2 Peter 2, verses 6 through 8. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who a- afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteousness and delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds good morning and welcome again to our worship service we are grateful for your presence we appreciate david leading our singing today and as always we are grateful that you have chosen to be here if you are visiting We do encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity you have. To those who might be looking for a church home, we want to encourage you to please consider the work here. We would love to have you come and join hands with us as we work for the Lord in this community. And we are grateful for the good that is being accomplished in this congregation. We're very thankful for the growth that has emerged and we pray that We will do everything that we can to be a light in this community and to lead others to Christ. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 13 in a moment. Before we do so, I do want to encourage you to please make plans to attend the singing this afternoon at 1.30 at the Oak Grove Terrace. We would love to have you present. Last month we began again meeting and singing and we had just a few show up and I know sometimes it takes a little bit of time to gain some momentum, but uh, we do want to encourage everyone to come and be a part of that. I know that David would uh, certainly like to have some help as he leads our singing and so please make plans to be present for that. Today I want us to begin in Genesis 13 and then we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 6 through 8, I want us to think for a moment about the theme, staying strong in a corrupt world. The Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 19, that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You and I, we live in the midst of a darkened world, and sometimes we ask, what can we do to change the world in which we live? We also sometimes will ask the question, how can we stay strong when so many people in our world seem to be moving away from God? I want us to look at Genesis 13 for just a moment. There's an account here that takes place between Abram and Lot. Abram, you recall, would ultimately be the one through whom the Christ would emerge. In Genesis chapter 12, God made a great promise to the man we call Abraham. And he said, in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. And the primary fulfillment of that prophetic statement would ultimately take place in Jesus Christ. But in Genesis 13, we read of an account that takes place between Abram and Lot. I want us to think about the events that are recorded here, and then we're going to turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2 and try to make some application to our lives today. The first thing that I want you to do with me is to consider the people that are involved. I said just a moment ago that this account revolves around the lives of Abram and Lot and their herdsmen. And in looking to this particular text, the first thing that stands out is the great substance or wealth that these men enjoyed. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks of the great possessions that they had been entrusted with. In verse 1, the Bible says that Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and gold. In verse 6, the text tells us that their possessions were great. And so these men obviously uh, were well-blessed. They enjoyed immense wealth. But then also we think about their sojourn, their pilgrimage. The text tells us that as he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, and geographically that's located just a few miles north of the city of Jerusalem. And so we think about the people involved. But then the Bible speaks of a problem that comes to the fore between the herdsmen of these two men. And so picking up, if you would, with me in verse 5, the Bible says, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And then in verse 7, the Bible introduces us to some strife that develops between these herdsmen uh, of Abram and Lot. And so the Bible says there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. And so uh, this strife breaks out, and when we talk about strife, we think about division and the problems that will sometimes occur when people begin to, to fight with one another. And yet I'm, I'm reminded of what the psalmist said in Psalm 133.1 when he exclaimed, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And so amidst, in the midst of this strife, Abram desires unity, and really what he does is comes up with a suggestion to diffuse the situation at hand. And so, here's what Abram said. Verse 8, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. I think about Abram and his his disposition here. The fact that Abram wanted to do everything that he could to to somehow make peace and to dwell in peace with with Lot. And so he was amenable to doing whatever it took to bring about peace and diffuse the situation at hand. And so now we're introduced to the plan. That is, how are they going to... How are they going to react? How are they going to to somehow dwell together in peace among themselves? All right, note if you would in verse 10. The Bible says that Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. So you have here a separation that now takes place. This strife has has obviously built up, and there is some division that exists. And so Abram, in a very amenable way, seeks for peace, and he says, "Look, if you want to go to the right, then I'll go to the left." If you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right, whatever it takes to maintain peace and unity among ourselves. And so they separate. Now, in making this separation, Lot makes a choice. And inherent in this choice are some possibilities. But look, if you would, at verse 11, Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. And so, according to Moses, as he records these events, Lot chooses for himself the well-watered plain of of the Jordan, and he pitches his tent in Sodom. Now a couple of points here. First of all, what we see is not always what we get. Lot made his decision based on what he could visibly see with his eyes. He thought he was making a good choice. Well. Look, if you would, at verse 13. Here's what the record says concerning his choice. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And so the problem is Lot has made a poor choice because ultimately licentiousness was everywhere. He thought he made a prudent decision. He thought, at least in my estimation, he was probably getting the better deal. In reality, however, he chose for himself a cesspool of wickedness. And so, ultimately, he finds himself thrust into cities of corruption. Now, with that in mind, turn over with me, if you would, to 2 Peter in chapter 2 because in 2 Peter chapter 2 Peter now records these events and really in this context he's talking about false teachers and he cites some examples to to simply make the point that ultimately just as God dealt with wickedness in days gone by and that he punished wickedness and ultimately would judge those that engaged in wickedness God is going to judge false teachers. But what I want us to do is lift verses 6 through 8 and bear in mind what we just talked about or keep in mind what we just talked about in Genesis chapter 13 because what we're asking is how can we stay strong in the midst of a corrupt world? So if we look at verses 6 through 8, we find the state of Lot in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. What does the Bible have to say? So in light of this, what we want to talk about now is the pain that Lot experienced. Because I really believe when you look at his life, you see a man who was pained by what he saw and what he heard. All right, look, if you would, at verse 6. His pain. First of all, we come face to face with his salvation or deliverance. The Bible says, "...and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction." making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. Now look at verse 7. The Bible says, and delivered righteous lot. In verse 8, again, Peter makes reference to righteous lot. Well, what then is the implication of that to us? You and I, we live in a world that is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And even though this world may be corrupt and engulfed in darkness, we can still live a righteous, godly life in Christ Jesus. You see, the fact of the matter is, we are a distinctive people. We're different from the world. Lot was different from the people that were surrounding him in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He stood out like, as what we would sometimes call, a sore thumb. He was a righteous man. And God delivered him. We know in looking back to the the book of Genesis that God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He rained upon them fire and brimstone. He utterly annihilated those cities. And Lot and some of his family members were able to escape. The Bible tells us that we are an elect people, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, Peter said, "...whom God has called forth out of darkness into His marvelous light." That's the state of those of us who belong to God. We have been been called out of spiritual darkness. When Paul wrote to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 12... He said, giving thanks unto the Father who has delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear Son. That's our state. We have been delivered out of darkness into the kingdom of Almighty God. All right? So first of all, we think about the fact that in looking to the life of Lot, he was one who enjoyed salvation from... From destruction, he was delivered. But then also I want you to note what is said in verses 7 and 8 concerning his sorrow. And I really believe that when you look at the life of, of Lot, you see a man of disgust. I'm convinced Lot was disgusted at what he saw taking place in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. How do I know that? Well, look at verse 7. The Bible says that God delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed with the filthy conduct of the wicked. Some translations say he was vexed, he was burdened. Then look at verse 8. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. What's God saying about Lot? He's simply saying that when Lot looked around and what he saw and what he heard made him nauseous, disgusted him. It was sickening to him. You and I, we look around in our world today and we see things taking place right here in America. It's nauseating. It's sickening. Our country is not what it was when I was growing up. It's changed. Well, what, what are the implications to those of us today. I mean, here we are. We're Christians. We're trying to stay strong. We're trying to live right. We're trying to be people of God. And yet the forces around us seem to be so strong. How then can we stay spiritually strong in the midst of a corrupt world? Number one, let me suggest that we do not allow the world to intimidate us. Now you look around in our world today and you look around in our country and there are forces at work that are seeking to intimidate those of us who are trying to live right. There are two things they want us to do. Number one, they want us to shut up when it comes to sin. In other words, they don't want us to talk about it. They want to generalize and fictionize the concept of sin. They want us to shut up about sin, and they want us to put up with sin. The idea is they want us to accept, to be tolerant of their immoral, ungodly ways. Well, those of us that are God's people, we can't do that. You see, the Bible calls upon those of us who are Christians to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The the fact of the matter is the world is in spiritual darkness. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. The wages of sin, Paul said, is death. We have the answer to the problems of our country. When we talk about spiritual problems... Now I think about young people, I think about children, young children that go to the doctor. And sometimes when they go to the doctor, the physician will prescribe for them a certain type of medicine. And many children do not like to take medicine. It doesn't matter how good it tastes, they just don't like it. Well, you know, you and I, we have the antidote. We have the prescription for the ills of our world. Now, the world doesn't like it, but that doesn't mean that we back off and don't give them what they need. If your your child had pneumonia and the prescription was penicillin and your child said, I don't like that, I don't want it, would you just not give it to them? No. You'd give it to them. Why? Because they need it. The world needs the gospel. Think about Peter and John. When they were were commanded not to teach in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says they responded by saying, we cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. They felt compelled to to share the gospel of Christ. Now what the world wants to do is to intimidate you. The world wants to say, listen, you can't read your Bible in a public place. The world wants to say, you can't bow your head and pray to Jehovah God in a public setting. Well, don't let the world intimidate you. We belong to the Lord. The Bible says we must obey God rather than man. The world tries to intimidate, but we as God's people have to say, now wait a minute. We are the people of God. We're going to follow him come what may. Number one, do not let the world intimidate us. I don't think that Lot was intimidated by the people of his day. They may not have liked him. Probably they didn't like him. But nonetheless, the Bible speaks of him as a righteous man. I think he stood head and shoulders above the people around him. Number 2, do not let the world do not do not imitate the behavior of the world. Don't let the world intimidate you, and don't let the world compel you to imitate its behavior. What the world wants to do is to pour you into its mold. The idea is that you become conformed, that you become like the world. And so I think that the advice for us is, don't become an imitator of the world. Don't let the world pour you into its mold. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, Be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed. There are a lot of people in the Lord's church today... Sadly, they've forgotten who they are. They have forgotten what they are about. What you and I need to do is remember who we are, and we need to remember the one to whom we belong. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in us. He said, you are not your own. You belong to God. Have we forgotten that we belong to Jehovah God? Many people in the Lord's church have allowed the lines of demarcation to be blurred. Now Paul said we're not to, we're not to be conformed unto the world. And yet, so many times we capitulate, we make concessions. And before you know it, we think like the world, we act like the world, we're doing what the world is doing on a regular basis. Look at, look at Lot. The Bible says that he was a righteous man. Do you think he capitulated? Do you think he made concessions? I don't think that he did. Do not become an imitator of the world. John said, Love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, says, It's not of the Father, it's of the world. The world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of the Father abides forever. We need to remember who we are and what we are. We are children of the King. We are serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so don't become an imitator of the world. And then finally, do not become indifferent because of the world. How many times do we have do we take how many times do we take the attitude or do we do we step back and look around in the world today and we say, "Well, what's the use?" I mean, what what can we do? How many times do we look around in the world today, we see the spiritual darkness, we see the, the state of our country, and we just become indifferent? The idea is, well, I'm just one person, there's nothing I can do. I think that you and I, as God's people, need to understand that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. That we can make a difference. You see, what the world wants—what the world wants you to do—is is to become indifferent. That's what—that's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to become complacent, to just throw up your hands and say, "There's nothing I can do. Just give in." Guess what? If you give in. The devil wins. There is a struggle between light and darkness, right and wrong, truth and error. But remember this, God is on our side. We are God's people. The world wants us to be indifferent to their ways. The world says, don't say anything. The world says your voice doesn't count. God says it does count. God says that you can make a difference. Jesus said you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. We are a leavening influence for good in this world. Where does it begin? It begins in the home. It extends to the classroom it translates onto the ball field, in the workforce, etc. We can make a difference. Here's what the devil wants from us. The devil wants us to give in. We just give in. Just just acknowledge the fact we're we're fighting a losing battle. We might as well just give in. We might as well cash in. That's what the devil wants. What about you? Have you given in? The devil wants you to give in, and he wants you to give out. In other words, just throw up your hands in exasperation and say, Well, I've done all I can do. As they used to say years ago, I'm give out. Jesus said, He that endures to the end shall be saved. The devil wants you to give in, he wants you to give out, and he wants you most of all to give up. That's what he really wants, just give up. Jesus said, be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2 at verse 10. You see, the world wants us to become indifferent. When we become indifferent, then we lose our edge. We are no longer the salt of the of the earth the light of the world, we're not making a difference. I believe we can make a difference in this world. How do we stay strong? Don't let the world intimidate you. Do not let the world pour you into its mold. Don't become an imitator of the world. And don't become indifferent because of what's going on in the world. Did God deal with the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, Peter said he left them as an example to all who will live ungodly. God will take care of what he needs to take care of. God is sovereign, he reigns over all. We'll let him handle that. What we need to do is handle our business. We can make a difference, and guess what? We can make it right here in this community. We can start making an impact for good. We're already making a difference. We can make a greater difference. What do we need to do? We need to marshal our forces. We need to demonstrate the character of character of Lot. Stand true to the Word of God. Remain loyal to the Lord. Demonstrate righteousness in our lives. In closing, let me just encourage you, stay strong. I know the world I know the world is is discouraging the state of affairs it's very discouraging but let me tell you the Lord is still in control the bible says the most high rules in the kingdom of men daniel 4:32 the bible says the lord reigns god is still on his throne he is still in charge of the affairs of this universe and we're still his people all we have to do is stay true to Him. Are you a Christian today? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you've not obeyed the gospel of Christ, why not become one of His children? Why not be born again of the water and the Spirit, as Jesus talked about in John 3? Why not be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Put your trust in Him, Hebrews 11. Repent of every sin, Acts 2, 38. Confess His name before others, Acts 8:37. And then be immersed in that watery grave of baptism. And then live faithfully until death. And guess what? The crown of life is yours. If you're unfaithful to his cause, why not come home? Could we pray with you and for you? God will abundantly pardon. Why not come as we stand and sing?